After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America Podcast. from the Baseball America podcast nook. Controls your throwing strikes. Command is you're hitting the spot. That's yeah. stupid. I'm sorry. I'm going to rant about this again because that's just stupid, John. It is I'm, stupid. This is, this is so ridiculous. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. If he was in the home run derby, I'd put him out of a decent chance of winning it against the big leaguers. Surprised you could even hear us over the din of Ronnie McCabe's tape gun. Here we go in three, two, one. Play ball. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast, along with Aaron Fit and my laptop. I'm John Manuel. Don't forget to subscribe to Baseball America's draft offer. Subscribe now and receive one extra month of access with any premium content subscription. That's at BaseballAmerica.com slash subscribe. And, Aaron, uh, we have a lot of college baseball coverage coming up. Our postseason coverage is sponsored by DeMarini. Visit DeMarini.com to see the 2014 lineup of DeMarini BB Corbats including the CF6 with D-Fusion Handle Technology. Visit DeMarini.com. That is, once again, the CF6 with D-Fusion Handle Technology. I'm excited about the D-Fusion 6. The CF6 with D-Fusion Handle Technology. <laughs> Easy for you to say. It's not. Absolutely not. But, uh, Aaron, there are a couple things that stand out today on this Memorial Day weekend. And we thank uh, those of you uh, listening and those of you who have family members who served over the years. First of all... Aaron, uh, Memorial Day, sadly for us, means working in college baseball. We, that's, that's what it means to us. But it's a, so it's an exciting day from that standpoint. Often it has meant uh, moaning and uh, screaming even about the injustice of the, uh, of the Division I Baseball Committee. Even though there is a lot of parity in college baseball, Aaron, and a lot of mediocrity. I would say a lot of mediocrity more than parity. Mm. Even though there's a lot of that, it really did seem like things kind of sorted themselves out during conference tournaments. There wasn't a lot of difference between the people who actually pay attention and who they thought the top eight national seeds would be and who the 64 team field would be. Is that, is that because because the committee's predictable? Is that because this, it really did sort itself out? Was there a defined 64? Because it feels like it should have been harder with all this muddle. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, I have to acknowledge Kendall Rogers. Uh, and I had the same 64 teams, and I think 63 of them got it. We had the same national seeds. You must have had the same bad source about Clemson. You know? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think as of Saturday afternoon, I think Clemson was maybe 
or Sunday afternoon, I think Clemson maybe was in trouble. But, um, you know, they, they, they revised those things over the course of the night. So I don't know right. if their, their opinions changed or what. But um, I, I will say this. You know, I had, I had Clemson in Saturday night. I mean, I thought uh, when you break it down, it was, a, it was a coin toss between Clemson and UCF and UC Irvine. And uh, I had Illinois right in that discussion. I guess the, the, the committee had Illinois a little bit farther back, not in their, their last, not in their next four teams. Somewhat surprising. Somewhat surprising. It, what it really made you think, Aaron, as you looked at it, was well, their last four out being listed as what? West Virginia, USC, Mercer, Illinois, and, and, and um, uh, UCF. UCF. It really made you think that, boy, Mercer and West Virginia, they were the two teams that really fouled the bed the most down the yeah. stretch, you would say, yeah. in that those two teams had a high RPIs, and those fit the committee template of the kind of teams they want in. They want some new blood. Did not did Mercer not win the Atlantic Sun regular season? They finished in second. They finished in second. So that's because they were their late collapse. They, they won lost. the Atlantic yeah. Sun, Sun regular season. You gotta think they probably would have gotten in, but both the, you know they lose, West, they lose their last two series. West Virginia gets swept in its last two series. Uh, the momentum is a factor here, especially if you're a team that finished um, you know six sixth place in, in the Big Twelve and nine and fourteen in the league. Uh, you know six and nineteen is the top fifty. There are a lot of metrics working against West Virginia. They didn't need to do a lot to get in, but they didn't meet that bare minimum threshold. You're just looking at them down the stretch, and you're like, boy, you know, that, that two one-run losses at Texas Tech, yeah. a one-run loss to finish the series at Kansas. Some heartbreakers. I watched several of those games, and they were right there, you know, and then that's talking to Terry Rooney today, and he was very gracious, UCF's coach. I mean, yeah. he said, hey, you know, um, we had a, a nice season, but we had some opportunities we didn't take advantage of, and for them, there's really a lot of one-run losses, and... Um, that's college baseball in the BB Core era. Absolutely, There's a lot of one and two run games, and so the, the line between being very good and very bad or, or average can sometimes be very thin. Um, but the, the the really good teams are the ones that have that extra, um, you know, ability to win those close games. Whether it's because they have strong bullpens, whether it's because they're very good on defense, whether right. they just have a knack for timely hitting, um, that there is. You know, there is something to be said for being able to win those games. You just described Georgia Tech in a nutshell as a team that just jumps out to me as a program that has kind of remade itself in this BB career. It's not that they're bunt happy or that kind of thing, but their two best pitchers are Dusty Isaacs and Sam Clay, and they're in the bullpen. Yeah. And Dusty Isaacs winds up being your ACC tournament MVP. Sam Clay is going to be their highest drafted player. You think of Georgia Tech, usually you think of prospects. Their best prospect is a left handed reliever. Who walks four and a half, five per nine innings, but he does have really good stuff. And they're all freshmen, but it's a very different Georgia Tech team. And that their best player in the field for me is Connor Justice, their shortstop. Maybe Matt Gonzalez in left field, but in the BB Core era, um, Matt Gonzalez has to be an outfielder because he's just not good enough defensively on the infield. Whereas in the Beezer Bad era, Matt Gonzalez would have had 15, 20 home runs. He played third base. He had lived with the nine, the eight ninety fielding percentage because he mashed. Yeah, and it just you just can't do it anymore. And uh, you have to give a lot of credit to Georgia Tech as a team that has made that adjustment. There are there are other ones, but I guess I'm being provincial here, and I'm thinking about it from the ACC perspective because that's where I live. But so sue me. I'm salty today. I just got to warn you. you are, I'm, you are I'm salty. freaking salty. I can't help it. Uh, my back hurts. I can't help it. Aaron. Uh, I'm going to start with the top eight national seeds. Seems like there was no surprise. I guess the biggest quote-unquote news in the top eight national seeds 
A, Oregon State, still the number one national seed despite losing that series to uh, Southern Cal last weekend of the year. Seemed like Florida had the number one resume. Virginia had the number one RPI, but stumbled the last couple weeks. Were you surprised that Oregon State was the number one? Because wasn't the Pac-12 only the number three RPI league? Or four. I think four. four. Yeah, I was a little surprised um, that Oregon State beat out Virginia and, and, and Florida and Indiana. I mean, frankly, Florida especially. That's the one that, to me, was the obvious number one choice. I if mean, Florida had won the SEC tournament, i got to think, regular season SEC plus yeah. conference tournament yeah. SEC plus this great RPI equals number one national seed. I can't get over the fact that Florida's 23-14 and 14 against the top 50. Wow. No other team in the country... That, I'm, that I can see has more than 17 wins against the top 50. So that's six more wins against the top 50 than anyone else. They're third in the RPI. They won the SEC uh, by, by a couple of games. And they reached the, the, the championship game right. of the tournament. I mean, that's a strong resume. How are they not number one seed? Uh, you know, Oregon State had a great year, um, but 13-5 and five against the top 50 versus 23-14. and 14. That's a big difference. Um, you know, Florida won the, the number one RPI conference and sent 10 teams to regionals. They won it comfortably in the regular season. How is that not number one seed? I'm flummoxed. I was surprised. See, I, got, I knew I had tease a little bit of your criticism out of here. The committee was, You're too nice to the committee. You did predict that TCU would uh, be a top eight national seed and, L- and LSU. So you wavered a little bit Sunday night and maybe thinking that TCU wouldn't be, that they'd earned it. But they wouldn't get it. It would be a third SEC team. It seems like Miami backing up with a poor week during the ACC tournament, combined with the fact that, that the, the other SEC teams that really had a, could stake the claim to being a top eight national seed, specifically Vanderbilt, which I'm surprised yeah. they mentioned as a contender, South CAC, South Carolina, and then Ole Miss, all three of those teams combined to go, what, two and six in that Hoover? That's about right. Yeah, they, they – uh, um... You know. I think they all went one and two or zero oh and two. That's right. South Carolina made its usual zero oh and two, uh, <laughs> which we can usually count on. You got your, your South Carolina garnet on today. I didn't even Bi- realize that. for the Gamecocks. I did. I, I saw maybe it's because we were walking around the uh, farmers market this weekend. There was a dude walking around in a football, a South Carolina football jersey with a giant spur and uh, you know the talon on one sleeve, and on the back where the name would go, it just said Cox. Nice. So, <laughs> Stay classy, uh, South Carolina fan at the Raleigh uh, Farmers Market. Um, but but, you're, but you're, South- to your point, yeah, those those teams, you know, that, that last national seed was kind of there for the taking, and, and I kind of felt like it would come down to the SEC tournament. There was so little separation, right, between South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss, and then LSU, and LSU was them all. The, LSU was behind all those teams heading into the week, and they did blow past them all. And and I do think it's not just because. They went 4-0 in the SEC tournament. Because you pointed out, Aaron, if you go a little bit beyond that, they didn't face a weekend starter. In four games, they did not face a weekend starter this week. So you weren't as impressed by the commi- by, as the committee apparently was by LSU. You're not, you're not saying they didn't deserve it, but that in itself didn't do it for you. Right. I mean, and, and I had them as a national seat anyway. But, you know, and, and partly it's because of, of the factoid that I heard today on, on the broadcast. Um, in their last eight games, they've outscored their opponents... 80-something to, I don't know, 8. I mean, something crazy. Hashtag dominance. It's insane. And, yeah, that 27 nothing no-hitter skews it a little bit. but um, <laughs> <laughs> A bit. <laughs> but, I mean, they've crushed, they've TFCO, crushed everybody. TFCO, Northwestern State. Yeah, they, they've crushed everybody in the last couple of weeks. And they, they really, really passed the eye test. Um, hey, they did finish as the third seed um, in the SEC. And 
they have a lot of quality wins. They, they end up with as many top 50 wins as those other teams, 15 or, or even 16, I think they got to. Right. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think in the end they separated themselves in the last couple of weeks from, from that, that other group of teams. I think momentum matters. And, you know, it's not just one week. It's a couple of weeks now. Right. They have momentum. I tell you, Mark Laird has come on for them. I mean, just yep. a lot of guys offensively. Obviously, Bregman gets all the attention. But Laird has come on for them. Yeah, he's uh, dynamic. I mean, McMullen obviously had the big hit yesterday. But today. now I have something they have one power guy here, and they have like three or four guys. Uh, and that's what I was talking to a lot of Pac-12 coaches lately because of draft coverage. And it just feels like like out there, most teams have one or two guys who can hit home runs off you. And that's one thing that separated UW in that league was that they, it's only two, a lot of guys with two or three, but there are six or seven guys in the lineup who are a threat. So this is certainly not a gorilla ball LSU team, 38 home runs, which is a respectable amount these days. But it's more the fact that they have some threats up and down their lineup. They have some threats in terms of speed, and they have some threats in terms of power. And I guess the shocking thing, Aaron, is just how good their pitching has been. Clearly, Nola and Poche get all the attention, and they deserve it. They've both been outstanding but 17 shutouts, where does this come from? Who are the other guys who, if you haven't watched a lot of LSU this year, who've helped them with those 17 shutouts? Well, Kyle Bowman is the number three starter, and he, uh, you know, he's, he's healthy again, and he's pitching, and pitching well down the stretch, and he's just kind of a solid pitchability um, guy that doesn't blow you away but throws strikes. Um, and then the bullpen, I mean, Joe Broussard at the back, that's really a key guy. They, they'll piece a lot of games together with their bullpen. They have several guys in there that they trust. Yeah, person and Person. Um, you know, several they have several pieces. You know, I think there's actually some depth in that bullpen, and, and Broussard is up to 95 in the back. And, and I know the collegiate baseball folks give a pitching coach of the year award. I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate Alan Dunn right now yeah. because this was a team that it just felt like the whole issue with them preseason was just how good and how deep would their pitching be, Aaron? And it's become it's gone from being a question mark or maybe even a liability to a significant asset. Yeah, and I mean that's just that that's what a coach is supposed to do. You know, and they've done it this year. And I love the fact, and I asked Paul Maneri about this this week, that, that their best teams over the years, 08, 09, you know, these Omaha teams, they always peak late, you know, and it's not just in, in obviously point. they have to peak in the NCAA tournament, but going into the tournament, they build momentum. They had that huge winning streak, I think, in 2008 um, when they kind of broke through unexpectedly. Right. Um, you know, and, and Maneri said, well, you know, that's it's usually a teams. lineup change. You know, he yeah, usually, usually he feels like he has this little spark player that he plugs in and they take off. But you know, he, his point was, you know, uh, that comes from his days when he was coaching Notre Dame in the North, and you know, when you're a Northern coach, that you're going to be playing better late than you did early, just because of the weather and the travel and all that stuff. So you kind of expect it. So you tell guys early in the season, take your lumps, hang in there, hang in there. You keep them positive. You build them up, and, and you just expect to play better in May than you do in March. And he's taking that same mindset to LSU. And he never, you know, panics if they get off to a slow start. And he's he's a great coach. And, and Alan Dunn's a great pitching coach. And, you know, Javi Sanchez doesn't get the, the, the credit he deserves either. Good point. Good uh, point. Those guys are good. All that guy's done is recruit and recruit. And uh, that, that team has gotten better offensively this year. So uh, kudos to that coaching staff, no doubt. Aaron, and the other the hosts, I guess we've this is ground we have plowed before. But we did talk about Washington it sounds like a lot of people thought that UW would be a host either as a one or a two seed, maybe even as a two seed, send Houston with its high RPI there as a one seed. Yeah. Um, they did not, the committee did not choose to do that, obviously. Houston was a two seed, and it's going to LSU, not Rice, which would make some sense. And we'll get into those in, in just a second. But this was like kind of the last big, big picture 
I mean, the West, we, have a, we see it on our website in the comment section all the time. Pac-12 fans and West fans get their panties in a wad over being... Uh, I had a, a, the father of uh, Bishop, what's Bishop, the center fielder at the... At UW, his dad was Bishop, yeah. yeah. His dad was bitching at me last night on Twitter about it, and the Pac-12 getting boned again because he used that because of the because they're the Huskies, and I don't know. But either and, way, and, and to quick quick aside it. here, uh, you know, there's for the sake of equal opportunity here. There's a lot of panties in a wad on our website, not just from West people. Great I mean, there's point. There's SEC people who do that. There's, Absolutely, you know, mid-major fans. I mean, people all over the country. But but certainly the West people have it's a, consistent a huge one. chip on their shoulder. It's just, <laughs> it's just the same chip. That's the difference. It's the same chip. And but do they have a point this year that this is the first time since twenty since two thousand four that there are only two not there are fewer than three hosts west of the Rockies? Did you feel that Washington should have hosted not for geographic balance but because they earned it? They were right in the discussion. I mean, you know, and it's not a slam dunk. For them, or for Louisville, or for Houston, which for me are the last three teams, right? And, and they were, I guess, along with Texas for the committee as well. Um, the committee also said that they had Oklahoma State as one of the last teams uh, in that hosting metric, which I think is how crazy. Are they, how are they not one of the first teams into the hosting? Metric? I mean, that's come on, that's got to be a slam dunk. I, I don't get that. But whatever, their, non, they, their non-conference schedule must have been in there because you kept on talking early in the year how their RPI was really scuffling. Which you know, again, not to get too sidetracked, but I mean, you play a series against San Diego and what, Arizona State, non-conference, those are two quality series wins, I don't care if you played a couple of cream puffs, you play two really good series against, you know, consistent regional caliber West teams, can yeah. be rewarded for that, not penalized, uh, but anyway, they, they won, That's good. You're they, right. they, they host it, which, which um, they deserve to, obviously, but, you know, trying to sort out those other teams, I mean, heck, you stick them in a hat, basically, you stick them in a hat, and, and, you know, the, 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 the point that Dennis Farrell made on the conference call today was Washington's strength of schedule was 214, non-conference. Right. Non-conference strength of schedule. And that killed them. And, you know, Louisville was 86, not great. Houston's non-conference strength of schedule was 7. But you can't really justify, I don't think you can justify Houston over Louisville because Louisville swept that series right. in Houston, won the regular season by four and a half games over Houston. So I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Louisville hosting over Houston. And I'll just say, who else is Washington supposed to play, though? Who else? There are, are six, seven Division One teams in the states of Oregon and Washington. Yeah. And then if you want to expand to Idaho and Montana and Wyoming, there's no Division One baseball out there, Aaron. And they have no one to play unless they're going to spend a ton of money. It really if you does... look at their, and if you look at their first couple of weeks, not to interrupt, John. Right, but no, they tried. Michigan and yep. Texas State. In Michigan, they played those three of their first four games. Those are quality programs. Indiana, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, Oregon State non-conference. I mean, the first two weekends, those are quality opponents. And then, yeah, you got some West teams that are probably farther down with UC Davis. You know, Santa Clara had a good year as it turned out, but um, but those aren't powerhouse clubs in Davis, Santa Clara, San Jose State, Pacific. But they didn't. It's not like they didn't make the effort. Right. And then once they get into conference play. They basically have to play Seattle. They have to play teams from the West. Yep. And they don't have a choice. Seattle, and basically what, basically what killed them, Aaron, is their one weekend out of conference in Pac-12 play, they played Bethune. And you just it, memo to Coach Meggs and uh, the rest of that coaching staff, don't do that again. Just don't do it. Go back and read Aaron's column. And sad to say, until the conf- committee shows some feel... And stops penalizing teams for playing SWAC and MEAC teams. 
don't schedule a Swacker Miak team because you get penalized from it. it. It cost their baseball program money, and it had, now they have to go fly to Oxford, Mississippi for a tough regional. Otherwise, they could have been a host. What if that non-conference series against Bethune, just out, pulling one out of my head, what if that was a Big West team? What if Say it, it was what if, Santa what if Barbara. game just got canceled? That's it. If they got canceled, they'd be better off. And then the great example of that, we were talking about this before the podcast, is Columbia versus College of Charleston. If you look at those two, this is a good, schedule this, and RPI. This is a great way to talk about the, the, what was brought up on the uh, on the conference call and was tweeted about. Why does Miami have? Uh, why does Florida have number, uh, a higher national top eight national seed? Number two, why do they have College of Charleston as their four, and Miami has like uh, you know whoever their four? Bethune, Bethune. Is, is two, number two hundred seven. So when you really add it up, Florida has a harder, really much harder regional field. Than Miami does, and this is what explains it. Although, to be to fair, ex- to extent, Bethune Cookman, you know, has as an ace, right? Tana Durapo, who uh, you know, that's not an easy draw. But um, that said, I mean, on paper, you know, College of Charleston should have been a three seed for me anyway. But their their non conference strength of schedule um, for, was like one seventy seven. That's right for College of Charleston and uh, one seventy nine. One seventy nine. Whereas Columbia, which got a three seed in Coral Gables. Non-conference strength schedule of ten. Now, the key thing here is that you brought up was was Columbia's only played forty-seven games. So there's nine so games you, under their maximum allowed. So if you if you replace those nine games with whatever games you can get, what if they played nine games against Bethune, Mississippi Valley, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, or just you know the teams that or Siena, the teams that College of Charleston <laughs> played to get to fifty-six. Yeah, so Rhode Island. College of Charleston. You're playing Charleston Southern. You're playing. Rhode Island, you're playing even Coastal Carolina. You know, supposed to be a good team, did not have a good RPI. Um, or just the ones that the are Citadel. from the north, like Marist and Rhode Island are two northern yeah. teams that Columbia would maybe play three-game series against. Those teams killed College of Charleston in the RPI. So you're saying you're, you're better off just playing 47 games? Right. I hate that message. I hate the message. And they're basically punishing, you're really punishing College, uh, uh, College of Charleston for playing like Citadel and coastal because they had bad years and they're close by. Uh, USC Upstate, you're penalizing them for playing those games. It, that that message is the wrong message, and it really does take somebody on the committee really going through and saying, "Huh, why does Columbia have a 38 RPI?" And yeah, they played Texas. Good for them. They played a bunch of games on the road. Awesome. But they also are nine games they didn't play, and realizing how if they just played nine games, just plug it in. Plug it into your spreadsheet and say, well, what would happen if they played nine more games against teams that are, what's the midpoint of the RPI? 150. Yeah, 150. What would that do to their RPI? Oh, we'll probably put them below College of Charleston. And then you you, you get the, I I just think there's a lack of feel shown there. Hey, we're getting really nitty gritty, but guess what? That's what their, that's what the RPI report's called. The committee's supposed to get into the nitty gritty, Aaron, and they kind of didn't here. And Charleston, like you said, deserved a three seed, not a four it's almost like they forced them to be a four seed because they could bust to Gainesville, yep. and they forced Columbia up as a three because they were going to fly them anyway. That's how it feels. Yeah. So that is what uh, I'm. I'm uh, we're on the Baseball America College podcast. He's Aaron. I'm John. I'm going to find my read. I'm going to give you one more read here because I like to do reads. Don't forget Baseball America's draft offer. Subscribe now and receive one extra month of access with any premium content subscription. Go to baseballamerica.com/slash/subscribe. Aaron, we're going to take you through the through the regionals now. We're going to kind of do a quicker preview of the regionals. Aaron and I have a lot of draft work to do, so we don't get the three-hour podcast this year. We yeah. apologize, but uh, such is life. C'est la vie. 
Um, why don't we start up here with the O-State Ballers? Are you okay with that one? Yeah, and let's just, you know, and, and we've, got, we've got 53 minutes here, so yep. it's going to have to be just a couple of minutes per, per exactly. regional rather than... Aaron, the big news to me in Corvallis is that UC Irvine made the regional field. They were backing in. Um, you wrote about it when you talked to Coach Gillespie a couple weeks ago. They were a backloaded schedule, and they knew that was going to be the tougher part of their schedule, and they struggled a little bit with it. Uh, they get in. Are any of these teams really a threat? It doesn't feel like North no. Dakota State, Irvine, or UNLV minus Eric Fetty are threats to win this regional. The Fetty factor to me is important. You know, kudos to UNLV for hanging in there without Fetty. Right. Um, they, they reached the, the Mountain West Championship game this week, lost to San Diego State. But, um, you know, they're still a tough team without him. I mean, with, with John Ritchie is a, a good number one guy. Um, I like some of the other arms in their staff. You know, Braden it's Torres. basically a three-man staff, though, at this point, Aaron. When you go, when you really dig into the numbers, uh, after Fetty, it's Oakey, uh, Oakley, Bonnell, and Richie. Those are the only three guys with more than 40 innings pitched all year who are healthy. Everybody else, uh, you know, we talk about Joey Loria or uh, Cody Reap, uh, Roper or some of these other guys. These guys were not in significant roles. Uh, I did a radio show in Nevada Brandon last week. Brandon Torres is the other guy, though, that I don't know if you mentioned him, but he's a... a he, out of their bullpen, Out of yes. their bullpen, sorry, yeah. I mean, a left-hander. Um, who's had a nice year. He's kind of their closer. Yeah, and he's one of those guys who's like, you know, a little like a Ken Emanuel mold where you've got angle, um, fastball funk. plays up because of that, some funk, uh, and a good changeup. Those are the guys who are going to have to step forward. He, he's the guy because you can't win a regional with three pitchers yeah. unless they all throw a deal. So that's, that's my concern with UNLV. It's just pitching depth. I'm not knocking Tim Chambers here. Just, they didn't have, they didn't need to go much more than four or five deep all year. And then you lose Fetty. But then and you staff lose, is really you lose Fetty, and you're just shortened up. So it's going to be really tough. Good, I think good matchup though with John Ritchie and and, uh, and Andrew Morales in that opener. But then I feel like you don't have a big gun to take on the Beavers, who I, I assume are going to beat North Dakota State. Uh, the Beavers waltz here. I agree. They wets. I mean, they waltz. Wetzler joke of the day. So, hey, oh, um, all right. Um, moving on. Stillwater. First of all, I think we can guarantee, I'm not knocking it again, but I guess I am. You called this ballpark a dump earlier <laughs> in the year. So Alley P. Reynolds Stadium will be on display on bases loaded. Watch the bases loaded on ESPN. Tell us if you agree that Alley P. Reynolds Stadium is a dump. Those, those faded orange 30-year-old bleachers are going to look great on TV. <laughs> but this is, like a, th- this is a tough regional. This might be the toughest regional area because Oklahoma State's legit. Deep pitching staff. Deep lineup, not a team of stars, but a team of grinders. Good. Stars are in the dugout and the coaching staff here. Yeah. Number two seed, Nebraska, whose future is this is like a tune up for Nebraska to be the next Big 12, Big 10 team that's a preseason top 10 club. Maybe Darren so. Erstad's club is on the come, and huge kudos to Husker Nation huh. for coming out in the Big 10 tournament at T Dapo. Almost 20,000 people on the championship game Sunday. Just watching that on Big Ten Network all week was awesome. I mean, was, I just loved seeing their fans come out. It was really fantastic, and I knew that I knew they were going to draw big for that. But that but big? That was that was awesome. Epic. Um, so Nebraska's your two seed, and then one of the best stories of the last month: Cal State Fullerton, from disaster to disaster to disaster all year with like one good weekend. Oregon, then they suspend Coach Vanderhoek. It seems like they're just completely out of it. Their fans are apoplectic. And then all of a sudden, it just snaps right into place the here. Day, the day Vanderhoek returned to the dugout, John, they haven't lost since. That's crazy. I mean, they sweep UC Irvine. They win a midweek game, what, against USC, I think. And they yeah. sweep Northridge. Uh, boy, I don't want to play those guys right now. I mean, 
they got a little bit of that mojo going. Hey, preseason top five team, they're obviously dangerous. I mean, with Justin Garza, to me, that's the key. That is the key. Garza's injury just seemed like they had, hey, look, they had a funk offensively. They've never really hit their stride offensively, yep. which that is Vanderhook's whole uh, identity as a coach from a skill perspective is his toughness that he instills in players, but also the skill it up, the offensive ability that he coaches in players. That's his reputation. Sure. Their offense was struggling, and as he's trying to find the right button to push, he gets suspended. Garza's hurt. So even with all their pitching, they still are not playing with a lot of life, not playing with a lot of energy, sloppy defensively, and not enough offense. And it just seems like it's all clicked in the last three weeks. And, and then, you know, Garza threw the no-hitter and struck out 12 against Northridge. Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, they're the most talented team in this regional, aren't they? Or would you say that's Nebraska? No, I, I still think it's Fullerton. And because of the arms, you know, obviously with Garza, Eshelman, Bickford, and Wiest, and then, you know, hey, they've got bullpen guys. You still have two stars with Chapman and Jamie Davis. And I like the fact that they're battle-tested. They've, you know, they've gone on the road to Baylor. They've gone on the road to Wichita State. Traveling to Stillwater, they're not going to be intimidated by it. Um, I don't know who I'm picking. Do you know who you're picking? Are we making I'm picks picking on this Fullerton. podcast? I'm picking Fullerton. I'm telling you, Matt Chapman's hot. You know, someone needed to step forward and be the guy for this offense. He has been a little bit banged up too, but he says that he's become the guy. I mean, I'm taking Fullerton. I'll do respect. John, I'm, taking, I'm taking Fullerton too. Binghamton, by the way. Kind of a pesky four seed that has a lot of veterans on their team. They're in a regional last year. I was about to say, they seem like that's just a solid program. Yep. They're competitive every year. Hey, you know, you can't compare Binghamton to, you know, teams in the southeast. You compare Binghamton to the teams around them who are there competing with, pro- with, with four recruits. Binghamton seems like every year they're in the thick of this. They're almost always, it feels like, toward the top of their conference yeah. in their conference tournament. Uh, for me, that, that's just a program that I, I wish I knew a little bit more about. But uh, they're pesky. Uh, it really feels like uh, Coach, is it Sinicki? Is that how it's yeah. pronounced? He's been there for 20 years. Uh, he, he's, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Uh, the thing is, he's been the coach for half as long as Tony Rossi's been at Siena. Less than half as long as about that. Tony Rossi's been the coach at Siena. Uh, I wish that were a great segue, but it's not. Siena's not in the next regional. But So we're both picking the Titans here, Aaron. Yeah, you know, and, and this is a great regional. Really, it is. I really like Nebraska's team. really I, like Oklahoma State's team. I agree. But uh, just, you know, I think Fullerton has the pitching to, strike, to shut down either of those offenses, and they're, they're, they're swinging the bats better. So there it is. Hashtag on a roll. Yep. Um, I'll stop saying that. Thanks. <laughs> Any hashtags? Thank you. Uh, the Houston Regional, Aaron, is the one that will mm. sell out first. Reckling Field. Is it Reckling Field Reckling or Reckling Park. Park? Thank you. Reckling Park. Number one seed, Rice. Champions of the Conference USA. Don't they win the conference championship every year since 1996? Is there one year they missed out? Nope. And they've that's, always had at least a share of a regular season or a conference tournament. That's just incredible. That is such consistency out of Wayne Graham. Yeah. Number two seed, Texas, which was really kind of on the cusp of being a one. It felt like, but uh, didn't quite get a number one seed. Number three seed, Texas A&M. Number four seed, George Mason. George Mason, the only team that was not in the Southwestern Conference. Now, the Southwestern Conference mm. disbanded after, 2000, after 1996. Four teams went to be the Big 12. We made the Big 8, the Big 12, and then you had... Several others went to Conference USA and whatever. They've all scattered and smothered and covered since then. Hmm. But now they're in three different leagues. Rice, Rice now Conference USA. Texas, obviously, in the Big 12. And A&M, now in the SEC. So brought back together here. That's going to be raucous, and yeah. That's going to be a raucous regional. And the A&M-Texas regional. Feels like this means a lot to Texas because A&M has eclipsed Texas on the football diamond with Johnny Manziel and all that stuff. But 
this is a big deal for Texas. I gotta imagine a big deal for Augie Garrido getting their team back to regionals. Uh, what's your take on this regional? It feels like this might be yeah. the other tough regional after the, it's in the top five for toughest field. Certainly, and it's a, uh, it's a you know it's very compelling. I mean, obviously all the storylines, the fans, um, the intensity. I mean, it's gonna be wild over there. Um, as far as which teams I like, you know, I, I hey, it's a tough one to pick. It is a because tough one to three, pick. Because you got three teams here, and no offense to George Mason, but I think we got three teams here that could win it. Um, I like Texas. Okay, that's um, where I'm going. Be, you, you read my mind. Because, you know, first of all, I think they played well in the conference tournament. Their pitching, I think, is the best in this group. Um, There's not a big offensive team here that really threatens them. Sort of Rice with Ewing. A red Aquino. hot, apparently, Aquino. Yeah. Had a good conference tournament, sound like, just following on Twitter. Yeah, he looked good. He made a... Great defensive play yesterday, too. This ball where he reached over the railing on the left field line to make a catch right. and then threw on a line to the plate in time to get the runner, but the catcher couldn't hold on. That was a great play. The scouts I've talked to have banged on him, but you look at this team, Aaron. This is the opposite of those other teams we were just talking about, how we were saying, uh, uh, I forget which team it was, that uh, no LSU, how they have five, six guys who can, who can hurt you. Uh, Rice has 23 home runs as a team, 21 of them by Ewing, Aquino, and Reeves. So, to me... Texas is just not going to let the or A and M not going to let those guys beat you. If you if someone else doesn't step forward for Rice offensively, Texas is used to not scoring runs. They're used to scoring run to win in two one. I like Texas's pitching depth. I think they're the team that's most likely to come out of a loser's bracket and still win this series. Yep. I love Dylan Peters the way he's finished the year. Come back from that salivary duct. I've never heard of anyone having a stone in their salivary duct like Dylan Peters. I'm sure Dylan Peters and John Curtis both can. Tell me the algorithm, especially John Curtis. That guy's supposed to be a brainiac for, mm. for Texas. I like their pitching depth. You know, Obviously, I don't like their offense, but if you pick the best offensive player at the college level in this regional, it's probably Mark Payton. Probably Mark Payton. Probably Mark Payton. He's got you know, a little pop. He draws a billion walks. He's got a good approach. Uh, I, I kind of like this Texas team. I don't love them. They're not an Omaha team for me, but I like them to win this regional. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and you know, the other thing about Rice that I'm concerned about, they've been riding Matt Dittman so hard. In the bullpen, I yeah. Mean, well, he pitched you know this this week a bunch. And he throws drags. And, uh, you know, I saw they brought Lamont back um, for at least an inning in one of those games. He did pitch once this weekend. So uh, maybe twice. <laughs> maybe he pitched twice out of the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen. Okay, right. It's in a relief role. It's a dead arm. Officially, is what they're calling it, and some arm soreness. Scouts don't exactly know what's going on there, but we do know that he threw on what the two days rest or one days rest last year in the regional, and then he was extended again in the super regional, and then. Went from relief to, you know, seven, eight inning starts. I do think they have year. some other options here. The staff is deeper than maybe it, it used to be. I mean, Chase McDowell has pitched well down the right. stretch. He competes. Certainly Blake Fox has had a fantastic year. A left-hander who, you know, mixes three pitches and throws yep. strikes. And uh, Trevor Takel, is, when he's on with his command, he's tough with that angle that he's got and the life on his fastball. But they he, do he, have he can some lose depth. his command in a hurry, as he, as he did yesterday against UTSA. They do have some depth there, and that, that does stand out. They do have some depth. But I just think, like I said, I, I'm worried about how hard they've ridden Dittman. Uh, how about I, A&M? I, I, is, I like, it, is A&M they, a, a factor here in your mind? It feels like A&M, I've had a hard time kind of pegging mm-hmm. this year. I will say bon chance to Cray Bratson. I'm ready for Cray, the Cray Bratson experience to be. We've had, mm-hmm. I've seen him on, on bureau lists for a long time now. Um, uh, one of the faster players in college baseball who never steals bases. <laughs> but this is a team, Aaron, that just feels like kind of a funky uh, team again that's a grinder team, a team that they just have. 
I'm, I don't know, I'm at a loss to explain how they've won games when the guys that we expected to be their leaders have not really had great years. Mengden's had the back issue. He's 4-8. and eight. I think we thought Parker Ray could be a guy this year. He hasn't had a great year. Jason Jester, I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of high hopes for Jason Jester. He's kind of had a disastrous year. But they Zubel, still have arms. They have a lot of arms. They still. do have you arms. Know, they got Corey Ray. They got A.J. Minter. They got uh, Grayson Long. I mean, yeah. they got still got a lot of guys that can run out there. Matt Kent, you know, Andrew Vincent, all these guys. They're are, not a loss for pitching. They're not. And, and they're actually a pretty offensive team, too. I mean, Nick Banks, the freshman, has been a real key guy He's for been them. huge. That guy's had a great year. Cole Langford's had a nice year for them. Um, you know, certainly Blake Alamon. I mean, they, they've got... They've got actually a lot of nice pieces. They're a fairly balanced team. And I don't mean to knock Craig uh, Bratz, but he has 18 steals. He's only been caught once. So. Oh, well, there you go. Eat your words. I am eating my words. 331 on base. Come on, Craig. <laughs> Drop a button here or there. But, uh, He's I, like the, the uh, Tanner English of the... Of the he uh, is. The Tanner English of the, of the Southeastern Conference's West Division. There you go. <laughs> Only less defensive than, uh, than I believe. But we're both taking the Longhorns. Uh, we are. Ultimately, although this we is compelling. We didn't plan this. We didn't plan this out before, by the way. Um, Baton Rouge, LSU the one seed, Houston the two, Bryant the three, Southeast Louisiana the four here. And the only thing we know for sure is that when this was announced, I boldly proclaimed that I will not be picking Bryant to win a regional in a second straight season. You did proclaim that. Um, <laughs> certainly a good, a good Bryant team. And, you know. Pesky. As- Clearly battle tested. They've been to a regional won, last they, year. They, beat, they won a game they beat in the Arkansas. Two, yeah. So. Um, last year, they won forty something games. I mean, a lot of experience, a lot of arms. Um, they're going to be competitive, but uh, you know, Houston has a, a great pitching staff. Great pitching staff. Swinging the bats pretty well this week. Um, you know, John Justin Montemayor and those guys. Uh, um, you know, they got some big hits yesterday against Louisville. Grayson, uh, their Casey fifth year, Grayson. Casey Grayson, their senior fifth-year first baseman. Absolutely. This, this is a guy who just had a tremendous college season. And Aaron, what it sounds like with Houston is that one of the players that, like, I, this is going to be a column I do when he's in pro ball, Frankie Ratliff, their shortstop, second baseman. I think he's moved a little bit more to second, if I'm not mistaken, but haven't checked the box scores recently. But this is a guy who was arrested at Miami, had some serious baggage, was involved in steroid stuff at Miami, went to junior college. And, you know, I think you have to give Todd Whitting and Trip Couch and that coaching staff credit for going out on a limb with this kid and just talking to the scouts in South Texas about the Houston team for draft coverage. This is a guy who he's like the policeman of this team. And that's not ironic. He's the guy. He brings toughness to that team. He brings some grit, and he brings accountability to the, his teammates. He and Grayson both, it sounds like, really give that team some leadership. Again, this is I haven't watched this team. This is coming from the scouts I've talked to about Houston. And this is one of the things that stands out about that club is they have some veteran guys. There's some young talent here that, like you said, the arms they have. West, and is it LeMoyne? Yeah, Le LeMoyne's very good. So, I mean, he's a USA team we're going to see in this summer with college national teams. So they've got pitching. That's, that's their standout kind of tool but they have some grit and some toughness with Grayson and Ratliff. That, that they're going to be a tough out. Joshua Dallas at second base. Of another one. Player. Another one. I can't pick them to beat LSU at Baton Rouge the way that that they're playing. If Houston had been a regional host, and I understand why they're not. You laid that case out very well. If they'd been a regional host, Houston would have been very dangerous to win. I think a re- they would have been favored to win a regional because this team has some real intangibles that I really like. Yeah, and if I'm LSU. I'm- I'm probably saving Noah for the second game. Yeah, I think you have to. Uh, I think Poche, you throw against southeastern Louisiana. Uh, you know, 
LSU is just playing so well right now. I'm not picking against those guys. We've talked enough about LSU, but I think right. we're both taking the Tigers here. I agree. But I'm I'm compelled by that Houston team. I just think you got to give Todd Whitting and that coaching staff a ton of credit uh, because it's something they were rewarded for going out on that limb with a player that uh, was kind of toxic for a lot of other teams. Yeah. Tallahassee Regional, Aaron. Uh, Florida State, Florida State, Florida State. Woo! Alabama, Kennesaw State, and Georgia Southern are your four teams there. And some really intriguing teams, Aaron, because Georgia Southern got hot at the right time. And that could be a challenge for Florida State because they've got a lefty in Sam Howard who, when he's on his game, yeah. up to 93 from the left side with a, a good point. slide piece. That's It's not a great pitch, but that slider's really improved for him. So he was a fastball changeup guy before. Now he mixes in the slider. Kennesaw State, they've won 23 out of 24. Max Pentecost, I wouldn't say he's the best player in this regional because I love DJ Stewart, but he's pretty doggone good. He's the best draft pick in this regional. And then Alabama, I'm not on Alabama, but I do love their young talent. I like their competitiveness. They do have Turnbull and Camplain, and they, they can pitch. They're battle tests in the SEC. Florida State got a tough regional, Aaron. They did. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Georgia Southern, um, the Sam Howard point is a great point. And, and I like he, that guy. When he pitched against Western Carolina in the last season, uh, last regular season start, he, he was good. A shot, he, he took a shout out into the ninth, you know, struck out 10. Um, he was still up the 92, quarter of the guy I talked to. He was up the 92 in the ninth inning of that game. So mm-hmm. this is a legit Friday arm that Florida State's probably going to get in its opener. Yeah, and, and left-handed too. Right, perfect fit for that ballpark. You want to have a lefty in that ballpark if you, if you can. So, you know, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked if Georgia Southern wins that game. And I don't know if Florida State has the pitching depth to run through the loser's bracket. If they were healthy, Aaron, you'd say, yeah, they do. But they haven't been healthy down the stretch off in, uh, on the pitching staff. And, so. and I'm still not banking on Brandon Lee Brandt coming back this right. week without having talked to them in, in a week or so. Um, Lee Brandt and Holtman probably still won't be there. So, I don't know. I mean, I know you're not as excited about Alabama. Um, <laughs> I'm not. And Alabama hasn't played well down the stretch. But, that said. But that said, um, I, I kind of, I kind of, I still really like their team. You know, I like all those sophomores. I feel like sometimes you'll see these sophomore-laden teams make runs in the postseason. You will. Mikey White's and George, you know, Georgia Salem's and these guys, um, Overstreet, I mean, all these players that, you know, are, are quality guys. Um, they are quality. I love their sophomore class. I mean, Wade Waz had a decent year for them. The key, uh, I know he's a, a sophomore, but they yeah. They have some physicality there, too. I do wonder, this is a team that strikes out an awful lot, even. I didn't realize, just looking at them, looking at their numbers, they strike out a lot, you know, twice as often as they walk. That approach contrasting with Florida State's pretty glaringly in this regional. If they play each other, I mean, it's not just those two teams, you know. No, it's not. And Kennesaw State is red hot, as you pointed out. Red hot down the stretch here. They've only lost one game in their last, I don't know. Stunning. Like 24. It's stunning. Wow. See, I think they're 23-1 and one in their last 24 well, games. There you go. So, I mean, um, right now, Kennesaw State's the team that has the most momentum here. I don't know if I can quite bring myself to, to pick the Owls, though. I, I think Alabama, having played in this regional last year in Tallahassee, I think Georgia Southern wins the first game against Florida State with Sam Howard on the mound. I think Alabama wins the regional. Wow, I'm picking Florida State. That's our first divergence. I can't go against uh, the Seminoles. They're my preseason national championship pick. And I like I'm their team a lot, again. and I think they could get to Omaha and make noise. But the you injuries... Have great, you have a great point on the injuries they're pitching staff. They better, they're going to have to probably pitch Luke Weaver on that Friday night game. They better. And uh, yeah, they better hope that the, that bad Sam Howard shows up. 
That, we're saying all this, and this is probably going to be printed out, put on a bulletin board somewhere, transcript, yeah, for a transcript. Email manbear at baseballamerica.com. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh, I will say Florida State's offensive approach will be tested yep. if Sam Howard is on his game. Uh, next one is Louisville, Aaron. Aaron uh, Louisville's the one seed. This is like the, the NCAA basketball tournament regional. Louisville, Kentucky, Kansas, Kent State at number four. Didn't Kent State get to like a Elite Eight a couple years ago in basketball? I feel like they did. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I thought don't they did. I don't know how long ago that was, but that does ring a bell. Um, this is a good regional, though, for baseball as well. Kansas, I'm a little bit surprised Kansas is a three seed, but Kansas and Kentucky are just interchangeable for me, Aaron. These are just very streaky baseball teams, very streaky programs that just when you think they've turned a corner, neither of these are ever like 45 win, number one seed and host, or very rarely are they that kind of team. They're always in this 35 to 40 win mix. They're always two or three seeds. They're always pretty good, but they can't get over that hump. You know, and now they play each other in a first round uh, matchup. Um, Louisville was on the edge as the number one here, and I got to feel like that can, if Kentucky can beat Kansas and Louisville beats Kent State, that's going to be an electric atmosphere for those two uh, in-state rivals to go at it. No doubt, and they always draw well when they play in the regular season. Um, I'm very intrigued by that potential matchup, but I also think it's not. Um, by any means, a lot, but that's going to happen. I mean, right. Kent State's got a, a number one in Brian Clark, who's been around the block, and uh, he's pretty darn good. You know, firm stuff from the left side. Um, firm stuff. That's just fun. <laughs> I, I, I never shy away from an Olenberger inflection. So. We appreciate that, too. <laughs> and then Kansas, of course, you know, went, went down with a sputter in the conference tournament. I wonder if they're, they lost a little bit of that momentum when they uh, after they swept West Virginia, they step away, they, they go play two games at Michigan as kind of a tune-up. Right. Split them, and then they go to the Big Big Twelve tournament and, and lose a pair. But I, I still think that team has, you know, experience. They're they're very good defensively, especially up the middle. Justin Pertasio, shortstop, is a good player, and Colby Wright at second base has been a real key for them. What uh, a, what a shock! A Richie Price team that really knows how to skill yeah. it up defensively in the middle right. infield. You know exactly right. And then you know, a little bit of thump. That's the one difference with this team. They got right. a more thump in the middle than, than usual. Um, Did you see them on your Midwest on your Heartland trip? I missed them. Okay. I missed them. I wanted to see him and couldn't squeeze them in. But you know, but then they also have three arms. I mean, Jordan Pichet and um, you know Frank Duncan. I mean, they, you know they've got they've got a pretty solid staff. Um, Eldridge, I think, is the third guy uh, or the second guy. So anyway, or Kahana rather. Excuse me, Robert Kahana. I get my Hawaiian guys. I was about to say sometimes. they've got a lot of Hawaiian guys over there in Kansas. So. But. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think they're they're interesting. I think Kentucky uh, looked great in the SEC tournament. I think they're back to playing well at the right time. And Aaron, didn't we basically? I mean, like Louisville has a good had the resume of a top ten fringe team all year. I don't feel like I feel like we never thought they were quite that good. You know, pole mechanics. Yeah, kind of kept Louisville a little bit higher on the rankings. And right when we were ready to drop them, they go to Houston and swept Houston. And Houston kept winning. We had a real hard time justifying Louisville ever dropping behind them. It's it just felt like they got a, a little artificially high in our rankings. I felt like we never had as much conviction about them as we had about some of the teams that were ranked behind them. I agree with you, absolutely. But that said... They have won 45 games. And when you look at them, you know, you see a lot of familiar names from a lot of postseason games. You know, Sturgeon and Gibson and Gardner and Chittenden. And, and Birdie. Birdie and, and, you know, Zach Lucas has been around a while. And Sutton Whiting... All these guys are veterans of Omaha, yeah, and that matters. And so, and their talent—they have talent. They do have talent. All those guys I just talked about are good players, talented players. And I wouldn't want to run into Kyle Funkhauser. Funkhauser. Um, 
I don't know. I guess they probably throw Funkhauser in the first game. I gotta think you will, and I mean, I gotta think there's gonna be a ton of scouts there to see Nick Birdie because you know you're gonna see him over the weekend. They're guaranteed yeah. to see him in a regional. Uh, for me, Aaron, I'm picking Kentucky. I, I just think that they have AJ Reed. I like the way they played in the uh, SEC tournament. The way you wrote about their pitching coming back, getting some guys back to health. It's that they're a little bit deeper on the mound right now. I, I feel like Kentucky's been up and down. I've never really trusted that team. Be honest with you, I never really tried, quite trusted the, uh, Gary Henderson as a head coach. Just be totally brutally honest for no reason at all. But uh, I'm, I'm picking them to win this regional. I just think it would be a mountainous change for this uh, program to go into Louisville and win. And it just feels like all things being equal, and if I don't quite have 100% trust in that Louisville team, as good as I think they can be, I- I'm going to go with the SEC team even to win on the road. And, you know, I think Gary Henderson deserves an awful lot of credit for the way he steered this team. And they, they dipped, they came back. That's they it. They had injuries to overcome. That's it. I feel like he's got his hand on the tiller pretty firmly here. I feel like that's that's not what I expected in past years. I would have expected Kentucky to kind of, well, I mean, once they, things they, started they going south. Year. That's it. They folded last year. This year they didn't fold. They kind of kept things. And it certainly helps to have the player of the year as dominant an individual player as we've seen in a while um, as far as a two-way guy. And A.J. Reed. I mean, it's basically quasi-Chris Bryant at the plate. And then, oh, by the way, he's their Friday guy. That certainly goes a long way. The problem is, I think you got to use A.J. in the first game. And I'm not going to bet against him to, in, that, in that first game against Kansas. Um, you know, but if Louisville uses Funkhauser, I mean, you know, I'm not in love with the rest of those staffs. But I think I, I probably trust the rest of Louisville's pitching more than Kentucky's. I think that's fair. Um, but, you know, that can be an offensive part sometimes. Kentucky could go in there and just really mash their way through. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but I'm going to take the host. I'm going to take Louisville. I, I think all the, the experience I was talking about in Omaha, yeah. all that matters, and, and I like the pitching depth. This is a very evenly matched regional. There's yep. not a lot of difference here. You, if Kentucky basically changes two or three games on its resume, all of a sudden their resume looks like Vanderbilt's or South Carolina's. You're right. I mean, they played a very tough SEC schedule, and they acquitted themselves fairly well against it with a couple of just inexplicable home sweep to Ole Miss and a home series loss to, to Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. If you turn that one and five into four and two, they're probably hosting Aaron. Yep. You know. Uh, speaking of Vanderbilt, the Commodores hosting a regional with old friend Jack Leggett bringing Clemson in, uh, Tim Corbin's old boss and mentor, with Oregon the two seed and Xavier the four seed. Kudos to Xavier winning the Big East tournament. What on their second regional trip out ever for Xavier for the Musketeers, I believe. I think that's right. And this is seems like this has been a program kind of on the come here, and feels like Xavier always has a guy or two can really pitch. Had a couple guys who was the, the Willoughby guy, the closer, the left hander Danny Rosenbaum, the left hander Thomas Shirley, who was a, like an eleventh round pick. Sure, they've had some guys over the last couple of years, so this is not out of nowhere for Xavier, but they finally got over that hump into a regional. But Aaron Clemson was certainly on the bubble when the last four in. And Oregon, this is not the Oregon team you usually think. Yes, they can skill it up. They've had all these injuries in their pitching staff with Irvin and Crook, the Tommy John surgeries. But now they're a little bit different. I'm already blanking on his name. Who's the catcher with the 12 home runs? Sean Chase. Sean Chase. All of a sudden, Oregon, of all teams, leads the Pac-12 with, in home runs as a team. And Sean Chase How has, many do you know? It's, I was 28 coming into the wow, weekend. Oh, what I was powerhouse. into the weekend. Aaron, I, I wrote a lot of Pac-12 <laughs> stuff this weekend. Let's look. Conference team statistics, it is 27 I was off. So, Oregon, 
I think there's, I just think that because of Sean Chase, they're a little bit different than the Oregon you thought. Yes, they have to skill it up and all that, but they can win a game with a home run. Ryan Healy, my personal cheese ball for the Ducks, never sniffed 12 home runs, I don't think, Aaron. Maybe he had eight one year. Yeah. This is an interesting regional. Vanderbilt should win this regional. Will they? Yes. You're banking on the Commodores. I just think they're 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 it's just so much talent there. I can't pick against them here either. I mean, there's just so much talent and you know, Oregon without those two left handers you talked about, hey, they've had a they've actually had a good year. I mean I, I think I, I referred to yesterday, I said Clemson and Oregon are two top fifteen preseason teams that have underachieved. Well, Clemson's underachieved. Oregon has actually done okay with the injuries it has had to, to win 42 games. I think that's right. And it would go 18-12 and 12 in the Pac-12. I think that's right. I was a little bit shocked that they lost that series at the end of the year to, to Cal. Yep. Um, but in general, I think Oregon, we've talked about them a lot on the podcast, is how they could beat the bad teams sure. and loss of the good teams. Great matchup in that opener, though, with, with Tommy Thorpe against uh, Daniel Gossett. I think, you know, tr- traditional wisdom says you want to throw a good lefty against Clemson, so... Thorpe, um, you know, maybe we don't even get to see that Vanderbilt-Clemson matchup in the second game. I don't know if Oregon wins that game. Um, but uh, Vanderbilt, I mean, yeah, Beattie's an X-factor, you know. He's an X-factor for he Vanderbilt. He really is for, Van- for <laughs> Vanderbilt. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, that's what I'm saying is it, they can't make a deep run without Beattie being good. And I don't know if he's going to be or not. He's up and down. He was great, I thought, two weeks ago against South Carolina. Uh, got off to a good start in the ACC tournament and then went in the tank. But it's also a 9.30 in the morning game. I mean, it's good a point. little unusual. Um, I believe in Fulmer. I believe in all, that team. We've talked a lot about that team. I still really like their team. I think they win that regional. The best position player in this regional for me is still probably Dansby Swanson. They probably have him. I love Dansby Swanson. Vince Condi. I know you love Vince Condi. I'm a, Van, I'm a Dansby Swanson guy. Dansby's a great player. So I'm going with Vandy. It's a great middle infield. It is a great middle infield. Honestly, I feel like Vanderbilt should be better than they are. I don't quite understand why they haven't just rolled some people this year. Yeah, I know they've played a tough schedule, Aaron. I get it. Maybe we're there is a Vanderbilt little there is a little standard. bit. You know, and I've talked to people around their program who watch a lot of those guys, and there's a feeling that maybe they lack a little bit of an it factor this year. You know, that they, a lot of complimentary players, no star, maybe, maybe. at least on the, in the position. Th- I players. mean, a few guys, you know, that, that they maybe thought would take big steps forward, like Xavier Turner, Rhett Wiseman, Xander Wheel. Xander Wheel has seemed like he's played better down the stretch, but I mean, those guys haven't become the stars maybe that they needed to become. Um, really, it's Condi and, and, and Swanson are the guys who are the leaders there. Um, you know, so I'm not. I don't know. There's some there's some concerns with Vanderbilt, but there's still enough talent here that I think they win this regional. I tell you, the other factor here is that that is a clown ballpark. <laughs> and <laughs> you better be used to it. It could take some getting used to to slide on that freaking turf and all the foul territory that does not exist there. Ang- funky angles in the walls and it's, everything. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little funky bounce here or there. I'm picking Vanderbilt as well, but it's not with a ton of conviction. Hmm. It's not. I have uh, conviction. Blo- in this you point. did. You did. The Bloomington Regional area. Now, this is a team you had conviction in last year. At this podcast last year, you picked the Hoosiers to go all the way to Omaha. We've got to go a little quicker here because we're, we're running out of time. But Indiana the one, Indiana State the two, undeserved two seed. I think we both agree on that for Indiana yeah, State. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I know straight they, RPI. they have a two-seed RPI, 21 or something like that. But the rest of the resume, finished second in the, in the Missouri Valley. They went 0-2 in the conference tournament, 3-3 three and three against the top 50. I think it's a three-seed. How, how is their resume any better than uh, College of Charleston's? Yeah, really. I mean, um, Stanford, the three seed, Youngstown State, the four. But to get out of the way here, I'm picking Indiana to win this regional. Yes, but Stanford is dangerous. 
If you want to pick the Cardinal, pick the Cardinal, I can't, I can't, I can't do it because I do have belief in Indiana. All right. Now, these are two teams that love to wear sleeveless, I mean, not sleeveless, V-neck T-shirts and, and 70s uniforms. So that's a battle of two of the worst uniforms in college baseball with Indiana and Stanford with the pullover V-neck. So that's an ugly factor. But I'm, I'm dismissing the Sycamores. I apologize to, for dismissing them. I'm dismissing the Sycamores in this. And I think Stanford's going to win that, that game. I'm going to tell you, Stanford's offense has some thump, Aaron. And you've got Zach Hoffpower, who you wrote about, the football player. He destroyed Utah this weekend with a sweep of his mighty paw. you got uh, Slater. you got the coming on Wayne, uh, is it Turner, the catcher? Mm-hmm. Wayne, Wayne Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Catcher out of Houston. He's got all kinds of swing and miss, but this guy's got power. Wouldn't shot me if he ran into one. you got the great Blandino with 11 home runs. This team can hit. Stanford does not go out there and try to bunch you to death. They go in there to hit, and Cole Quantrill is legit. Cal. AJ Cal Quantrill, thank you. AJ Venegas is a legit closer who can be extended two, three innings if you need him. I like Major Hochstadter. I know he only throws 80 to 85 miles an hour, but he's had a great year. I'm not picking Stanford to win this regional because I think Indiana is that good. But I think if Stanford had gone to a different regional, I would have picked him. Fair enough. I'm taking the Hoosiers. We need to keep it rolling here, but I think the Hoosiers waltz. I think this is the easiest regional. Um, so you're not on Stanford? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think they're fine. They played well. You know, hey, you make some good points, um, but I just think they're meh. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not blown away. I'm not. I think Indiana is too good. They're there's playing one, at a really high level. There's one more DeKroger coming, by the way. So is there really a third there is a, There's a third DeKroger. We'll see Dan- if he's the Stephen Drew of the family. Danny's wound up having a nice career for them. I mean, you know, Kenny was getting all the expectations. Kenny. Yeah. Danny is probably the... the Danny's so far the best DeKroger. Danny's the better DeKroger of the two. So far, we'll see about the third DeKroger. Gainesville, Aaron. Florida, Long Beach State, North Cackalack, College of Charleston. We've talked about the Cougars here. They've already won a series against North Carolina, but that was the first weekend of the season. North Carolina just kind of barely gets in. They really had a must-win game against uh, Maryland in the ACC tournament where they blew a five-run lead and then came back and won at 13-7. Long Beach State, kind of the feel-good of this regional yeah. is Long Beach State, Aaron. The, the Dirtbags have been out of regionals for several years. Kudos to Troy Buckley bringing them back, and not just back, but as a two-seed and this is an interesting team, Aaron. Two of the best freshmen in the country here, Logan Shore for Florida and Garrett Hampson, the shortstop for Long Beach State. Yeah. These are two of the best freshmen yeah. of the country, period. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, and I'm happy for, for Long Beach. It's been a long road. And for a while, I mean, you know, they were below 500 team for a lot of this season, and they really need to get hot, and they did get hot. They got hot when um, they needed to. You know, and that'll be a nice and matchup in the opener with, with Rohrbach against Trent Thornton, I imagine. It's cool to see, uh, just cool to see the Big West get four teams. Yep. They deserved it. There was a borderline fifth team for us in UC Santa Barbara. Sure. Would have been great if Santa Barbara had gotten in just uh, you know, as a fifth uh, Big West team. But that's a, it's good to see that league being recognized for how strong it is again. Yep. But I feel for that to happen, Long Beach State had to, had to be back to being Long it's Beach true. State. It's you true. Know? Their flagship program in that, in that league. They still are not a very offensive team. Right. Their numbers are actually worse offensively than they were last year, if you can believe that. <laughs> that's hard to believe. Um, how does McKeithen Stadium play as far as... It's offensive. It's an offensive park. We'll see if a change of venue helps. Maybe Richard Prigatano. I mean, he's got power, you know. I mean, he's he got get nine extra base hits. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it, but but he's got power. It's in there. Uh, maybe maybe this weekend's coming up party for him. I don't know. I, I think Florida wins this regional, and, and, you know, I don't think Florida is necessarily a juggernaut, but... Um, boy, they, they, they do a lot of little things well. They don't have a hole either, though, Aaron. So well coached. They don't... Well, I guess the hole is they only have one 
starter they can rely on to give them six innings. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Mississippi State model last year. That model worked really well. They made it to Omaha. And you know, you know what? Big kudos to Karsten Whitson. How about that? How about good. Karsten Whitson Sunday? He did look good. Everything was knees to ankles. He very rarely missed up. The slider was all right. It wasn't 2010 first-round pick stuff, but he competed, got the, got a ground ball whenever he needed it, got the big ground ball on Savick in the sixth inning with the bases full. If they need to go to a fourth game in a regional... I was pretty happy so for him. Much, they got so much pitching. I mean, all those, those lefties who throw strikes with the, you know, the pointers and the... Uh, Danny Young, those guys are all Is Rhodes similar. back for them? I have a Twitter question about Rhodes. That's a good question. I don't have the answer. I didn't see him this week. But where Florida's going, they don't need Rhodes. <laughs> hey, oh, automatic plus two. <laughs> Coral Gables Regional. We're both picking the Gators, right? Yes. All right. Coral Gables Regional, Miami, Texas Tech, the aforementioned Columbia Lions, Bethune, Cookman. Aaron, this seems like Miami got kind of a cakewalk. Texas Tech hasn't been to regionals in years. Kudos to Tim Tadlock for getting them back. And, I, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that their recruiting coordinator's name is J-Bob. But, um, you know, there doesn't seem like a serious threat to win this regional to Miami. Is there? Like, does Texas Tech have, like, 20 right-handed hitters and no left-handed bats? Maybe that might make Texas Tech a, you know, real uh, threat here? Yeah. Um, you know, Texas Tech can, can score some runs. I mean, they're just kind of a gritty team, one of those that doesn't have a lot of star power, but uh, they grind you out a little bit. I think this is Miami's regional to win, you know, and, and not to give this regional a short shrift. We need to keep moving, but we're going to give it short shrift. We're going to give it short shrift. I, you know, K. Columbia was in a regional last year. I think I saw those guys in a regional at what Fullerton, maybe. I think you did. Um, they went out. They went out west. They got some experienced guys back, but I no mean, more Pete Falcone's son. What was his name? Joey Falcone. I thought he was still there. I thought he was like eighty years old or something like that. Yeah, he's old, but he's uh, he's underclassman. I think last year. So. I think I think actually that you're right. Um, he provided a little. He, I, I remember he provided the pop and the feel good story for. That's Florida. right, but. You know, that, that's let's face it. It's but an Ivy League team's a soft three seed. Texas Tech has had a really nice year. I don't really believe in them as an right. Omaha caliber club. I really like Miami's team. I'm picking them to win this this game. By the Regional. way, jo- Joey Falcone is unfortunately only 8 for 64 this year with 20 strikeouts. Oh. So it hasn't quite happened for Joey Falcone this year. I also am picking the, ga- the, uh, the Coral Gables hosts in Miami. WVUM, I'm sure, still carries the games down there. Love listening to them in the summer of 91. Nice. I, I am old. <laughs> uh, Cal Poly Regional, Aaron. Baggett Stadium finally gets to host. I, 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 would, I would love to call it Baguette Stadium because it would be, I'm sure it would smell great if it were Baguette Stadium. Um, <laughs> you got Cal Poly, Arizona State, Pepperdine, and Sacramento State fighting Riz Hoskins. Um, this is kind of an interesting regional as well, Aaron. Yeah. You've got some offensive teams. you got Arizona State, which is really more of like a, Pitching one great closer and just very scrappy club. Tim Esme's done a nice job there. Another coach that I've banged on has done a really nice job with this team. Again, a team that seems like it's gotten better over the course of the year. But i got to feel like Cal Poly, at its best, 45-10. and 10, Cal Poly feels like the class of this regional. Yeah, I agree with you. And the only question for me is, um, will the layoff affect them at all? Because they didn't play at all this past week. They were off. And, uh, you know, I wonder if that disrupted their, their rhythm at all. But uh, I, I love Cal Poly's team. You know, I just think they have so much firepower and balance and um, the pitching. I think it's probably really benefits them that, hey, they got to rest up their their, their, their pitchers who've used, uh, they've been used pretty heavily. I mean, you know, Inhoff and Reed Riley and Taylor Chris and all those guys. Those top three guys carry the majority of the load. So, yeah, Bloomquist's the other guy who's had a (laughs) tremendous season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Pepperdine has played well here down the stretch. They've had a great season. Some exciting freshmen. I watched their game. 
yesterday, the West Coast Conference Championship game. Was it yesterday or Saturday? I think it was Saturday. Uh, you know, the freshman is shortstop. Manny Jefferson had a great game. Huge, uh, you know, leaping catch to, to kind of turn the whole momentum in that game. And then I like their freshman catcher, Barnett. Those guys are fun to watch. I, I really like Aaron Brown on the mound and Corey Miller. They've got veterans. Um, I think the best player in the regional, for, for this regional, is, is Aaron Brown. Probably the most overall valuable player, yeah. I mean, because he's really, it feels like he's gotten better. You know, I've been very high expectations on this guy for a couple of years as an eligible sophomore. Yep. It feels like that extra year as a junior, he turned a corner. I agree with you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I could see Pepperdine or Arizona State making some noise in this regional. I agree. I could see any of those three top three seeds winning this regional. And Sac State's got a, a solid number one in Brendan Lito, who they can throw out there. Um, in that opener, and, and they, you know, they've, they've got experience, and um, you know, it's not an easy four seat. But that said, I just really believe in Cal Poly, and I'm taking them. I do too. But it's a Western regional. Every time you see a regional in the West, that's why it's kind of stunning to see Oregon State be sort of. We always hear that, but then but this then, one's pretty good. We always hear about Western regionals; anything can happen. But then, you, how often you see Fullerton win their home regional and UCLA win, and kind of waltz through good UCLA point. even too. I mean. Is, and there's hey, been a gap. How about some extra kudos that this regional was not paired with Oregon State from a geogra- geography standpoint? Yeah. So the two West regionals, another common complaint, are not matched up this I, year. I thought they would do it this way. I was hoping they would do it this way. I projected it this way, and that's what they did. So just, just take note. Those of you who bitch and moan every year, take note. They didn't do any of the things that you say they do and this got, year. And you got West teams scattered all over the country. Scattered all over the country. what you always wanted, right? One of the questions we have on Twitter <laughs> is about Washington. And it's, uh, you know, it's, what do you guys think of Washington being shipped to Oxford and all these regionalized matchups? Didn't add up. I think that's one of the reasons why they did it, Aaron, is to not have all the West teams play each other. They've heard the complaints. They've responded. The Fort Worth Regional, Texas Christian, the number one seed, Dallas Baptist, Sam Houston State, and Tony Rossi's Siena. Yeah. Well, I don't even remember what Siena's the nickname Saints, is. The baby. Saints. See, and the crazy thing is, Aaron, I saw Siena in the regional the last time they went. Led by speedster Todd Donovan in wow, 1999. They went to Winston Salem and they played Todd at Wake Donovan Forest. Played there. That's awesome. Absolutely, he was their best player. He was an eighth round pick that year. But uh, yeah, I know Todd Donovan's career inside and out. Um, but yes, member of the 2005 Jacksonville Suns, exactly. uh, minor league player of the year, one of the team of the year, one of the best minor league teams <laughs> the last 20 years. Matt Kemp on that team. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sienna, good feel good story. They're going to get bounced. TCU. If it weren't for Kennesaw State, Aaron, we'd be talking about TCU as the hottest team in the country. What are they, 27 out of the last 30? Yeah, Something crazy like that? Right. I mean, this has just been a... It felt like the last year and a half, a team that couldn't score, couldn't score, survived by their pitching, didn't survive enough last year. This year, that's even with their bell cow, their Friday ace, Brandon Finnegan, getting hurt. They have remained hot. They have not been uh, marked, uh, moved off their path of dominance yeah. down the stretch. They win the Big 12 conference tournament. TCU feels like a juggernaut right now, Aaron. Are well, they a juggernaut, or are they just a really good team that got hot? I love their team. I love their team. I love their arms. Um, I, I like, really like the fact that they're swinging the bats well, playing with a lot of confidence in every facet. Um, I'm going to pick them to win this regional, but I will say that Dallas Baptist, unlike usual, Dallas Baptist usually has a very offensive team, a yeah. lot of doubles and home runs. This team is built around pitching. They've got quality arms. They do. Ice Need and Paul Velker and um, you know, the Shaw kid, Joseph Shaw, who threw – very well the other day. Um, they got a bunch of arms here. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dallas Baptist feels like they're well-suited for this ballpark, which is a, which is a pitching ballpark. Uh, the wind blows in all the time. The ball didn't really carry there. Sam Houston State is a balanced team that's been in regionals before. This is a tough regional field. I like Sam Houston State. I like Sam Houston State. They were, my, they were Omaha sleeper preseason yeah, or no? One of my preseason front, 
to win a, a regional. Um, and you know, last year they were down in Baton Rouge and played well there. Uh, they could make some noise here, but but again, I mean, I just think TCU is too good. I, I am picking the Frogs. I am too, but I'm tempted to pick Sam Houston State. But the thing is, they might lose that first game to Cy Snead and the, and the Patriots. That's a, that's a tough regional. Yeah. Uh, for uh, the, the the geography did not do TCU any favors this year. Great great year in the state of Texas for college baseball, but not for the draft. Terrible year for the draft. Epically bad year for the draft. But and that includes on the college side. It's yeah. it's, it's fascinating. Aaron, our our uh, the Fit Matrix liked Louisiana Lafayette preseason. We had the Raging Cajuns 14th in the preseason. They finished the year number one in our rankings. It was not an easy choice because I think that we've talked to a lot of people about it this year. I think we both feel there's a pretty strong consensus out there among scouts and coaches that Oregon State and Virginia are the two most complete, most balanced, and well-coached teams out there. Those are the two favorites going into the tournament. And that's even, though, even though we moved the, the Cavs way down to number eight this week in our top 25. We did. But you have, Louisiana Lafayette enters at number one. They're 53-7, and seven, but they've got last year's national runner-up, Mississippi State, as their two-seed. San Diego State, which is playing very well, very well. as their three-seed. And Jackson State, out of the swack as their four. This feels like a very competitive regional down in Lafayette. Agreed. Mississippi State is playing um, very well right now. You know, I, I like what I saw from them in Hoover. Um, certainly with, with Lindgren and Gentry and Holder in the bullpen. Real separator. Um they're not going to go deep into the game, you know, with their starters. Same formula they used last year. So right. Ross Mitchell is now the, the one guy who goes deep rather than last year it was um, Graveman. Right. But well, uh, who like, was like a five or six yeah. inning guy. But, you know, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here on Mississippi State, but they are a good team. Um, they're not nearly as offensive as Louisiana Lafayette. San Diego State has some balance and can swing the bats. I like the, the experience in their lineup. You know, these guys were in regionals last year, too. Um, Pretty impressive, actually, though, when you really think about it. That San Diego State as a program, they were always thought of as like a sleeping giant here, and they never went to, from 1992 to like Strasburg's year. They hadn't been to regionals for like 17 right. years. That's right. And now it's just like it happens, not every year, but like three out of the last five. Yep. They've overcome the, uh, obviously, the illness with Coach Gwynn. So John Pulaski, Coach Martinez down there, kudos to those guys for doing a, a really nice job. This has become a much more consistent program than it used to be. Used to be consistently mediocre or bad. Yeah. Now they're a consistent winner. That just that's not easy to do, and they, they have done it. I think they deserve some credit for that. Bunch of good players in that team with Tim Zier and Greg Allen and uh, Brad Hanels had a big year hitting for power behind the plate. That's a team that could go into this park and hit some home runs. Um, maybe make some noise here. I think they're probably getting overlooked. Everyone's talking about the Cajuns and, and Mississippi State. And they got I know they have two really good pitchers. They have a number one in Bubba Derby, yep. who's a really good competitor, veteran, and they have a flame-throwing closer, though Nick Birdie of the West, and yep. Michael Cedaroff has got 20 saves and throws the hell out of the ball. That's right. Um, so does ULL, of course, with, with Reagan Bazaar. Yeah. Throws the hell out of the ball. I'm picking the Cajuns at home. You know I love the Cajuns. I believe in them. That's my pick. I'm picking them as well, but I'll tell you what. That's a tough regional. For yes, a team that's a top eight national seed, that's a tough regional. They did not get any – there's no soft spot there uh, in those top three seeds. Aaron, very quickly, and we'll probably have to pause while you take this radio show and finish up. Ole Miss uh, hosting at Oxford as the one seed with UW, Washington Huskies, Georgia Tech, and Jacksonville State. I feel like Georgia Tech being a three seed is fair, Aaron, but at the same time, I thought winning the ACC Conference – tournament and then some of the peaks on their resume would get them a number two seed obviously it didn't 
And there's no problem with that. The ACC was down this year. I don't feel like Georgia Tech's really a regional team this year, like a regional winning team. This is going to be a good team next year. I'm with you on that. I agree completely. Um, I, I would have had them as a two, but it was a borderline. They're fine right. three. Um, Washington, I, I think, is I think is pretty good. I you agree. Know, I really do. I really think we've, I've talked a lot about them this year, but I like their team. I think they're balanced. They do a lot of things well. They're very experienced all over the field. They play good defense, really take care of the baseball. Right. Um, a bunch of pieces in the bullpen they trust with Floyd Rawlings back there and Dunlap and you know a bunch of a bunch of these guys that they can kind of piece it together with. Um, they got three reliable starters. They do a lot of things well. I think Ole Miss is really good though. I mean, I, I really do. I, I think they're one of the most complete and balanced teams in the country. Certainly one of the most offensive teams in the country. Um, three really good starters. I, I was very impressed with Josh Laxter this weekend, which is a big X factor. If Laxter's going well along with Greenwood, that's a great one-two punch in the bullpen. Um, they're athletic. I'm taking Ole Miss at home. Great home field advantage, too. I'm taking Ole Miss at home, too. I, I will tell you what. I, I I like that Washington team for all the same reasons you said. I came very close to picking them. I just feel like Ole Miss is just too physical. Another coach who came in the year on the hot seat yeah. in, uh, in Mike Bianco, and they just did a tremendous job with this team this year after really faltering down the stretch last year. Yep. Below 500 um, for the second half of the year. Th- that's not what they did this year. Quickly, we will just talk about the Columbia Regional, South Carolina the one, Maryland the two, Old Dominion the three, Campbell the four. I guess there's some storylines here in a way. And then you got Old Dominion, formerly coached by Jerry Myers. Now he's the pitching coach again at South Carolina. Aaron, we have a question on Twitter. If Connor Bright and Max Schrock are healthy, uh, do, do you think that South Carolina can win that regional and maybe beat Virginia the next week in the Super? Was the question from James Gilliam. We're jumping ahead of ourselves a bit. They're going to win the regional because South Carolina doesn't lose home regionals. Period. They don't. They don't. Period. And and Maryland, I think, is a little bit dangerous. Great feel good story. Great job by John Chef. First regional since 1971. Pretty awesome. And they've got two big time arms with 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 Stinnett and and Showerin, and they could definitely win a couple of games there. I never know how to pronounce Showerin's name, so I'm glad you did. I hope I said it right. I've been saying it that way all year, um, but. Campbell, great stories of, to get in here after after last year's heartbreak, but they lost a lot off of last year's team. They still won 40 games, but they're not as good as they were last year. Right. Uh, Old Dominion is, is a pretty physical, balanced team. You've talked about them on the podcast before. Yep. South Carolina is the best team. They're at home. Uh, they win this regional. I don't think they beat Virginia. Virginia is going to win its regional. Virginia, I'm thinking them as well. Virginia is still the team. Not to rush through these too much, but Virginia is still the team that uh, I, I, I still think is the best team out there. I, I think they're going to rediscover their form here in the postseason. Um, the fans are going to pack Charlottesville. they got a great home field advantage there. I think they get a little mojo going. Uh, Arkansas, to me, is dangerous if healthy. Right. Jalen Beeks is a big factor here. Even without him, Has I mean... Has not been healthy. Yeah, even without him, you know, you've still got Chris Oliver and you've still got Trey Killian. You've still got arms. Uh, and the bullpen, they always have arms. They always have arms. Unbelievable. Consistency for that program, for uh, Van Horn and Jorn to develop power arms. They recruit them, they bring them in, they, they're they really good at it. And, and they they, uh, they impressed me with the way they, they grinded it out this weekend, too. Even games that didn't even mean anything for them. They were kind of locked in as probably a two-seed. Um, they were down a bunch of runs. They came back. I think it was a 6 nothing deficit. They overcame one of those games. Unless, right. I'm, unless I'm getting my games confused. It all ran together a little bit. Sure. But uh, This is a team, Aaron. The Arkansas, they're hitting 263. I mean, 263, 353, 355. It's just not a real offensive club. No. You know, 355, you're looking at really 380, 390 if you're an offensive club these days. Yep. 
they're just not a great offensive club, you know. So I think they can be pitched to. I think Virginia can pitch to anybody. They can definitely pitch to those teams. Liberty, a three seed airport. Two weeks ago, Liberty looked like it could be a number one and a host, yeah. or number two and a host. And now they're a three seed. Finished with a sputter, and um, I had them as a borderline two or three, one of my last two seeds. So I'm not surprised they went up to the three. Um, yeah, I mean Liberty's Liberty's pretty good. I mean they're they're a pretty offensive team, enough on the mound uh, to be competitive here. But Virginia's just at a different level. Um, you know, I'm taking Virginia, and I'm taking Virginia to go Omaha. I'm taking Florida State to go to Omaha. I'm taking Virginia in that regional as well. I will. We will revisit these picks next week of who we're picking to get to Omaha. We don't you have to just give, to. run. We just can reel out the names real quick. You want to or, just go for in? me? It's Oregon State over Cal State Fulton in that super regional. But that's going to be very tough. But I'm taking the Ballers. I'm also taking the Beavers. Texas LSU. I'm taking LSU there. LSU. I know I'm going some chalk. You have Alabama and U of L. I have Florida State and Kentucky. I'm picking my preseason pick, Florida State. I'm taking Alabama. You love Alabama. Omaha sleeper. Vanderbilt, Indiana. I'm taking Indiana. Hoosiers. Florida, Miami. I'm taking the Gators. Hurricanes for me. Miami. Wow, upset city. Uh, Cal Poly, TCU. I'm picking Poly. TCU. All right. And then Lafayette, Ole Miss. I'm taking Lafayette. Lafayette for me, too. And I'll take Virginia to win it all over Oregon State. One, two, Matt. Now, make it. I'm going to change that. Virginia over Indiana. Virginia over Indiana. I'm taking Florida State over Virginia. And all ACC final. Call me crazy. Aaron's got to bounce. We want you to visit demarini.com to see the 2014 lineup of DeMarini BB Corbats, including the aforementioned CF6 with D-Fusion handle technology. Visit demarini.com. He's Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, John. We'll see you guys on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.